Wow, Corey, thank you. That was amazing. Um, I love I love when Corey gets up here. He's awesome. He leads us in a really deep places with the Lord, so that's awesome. So, okay. Um, and honestly, too, he didn't. We didn't even talk about what I'm talking about, but it just really, really confirms and aligns up to what I'm going to talk about here for a little bit. But before I do, how many of you remember when I've spoke before and I talked about the Book of Awesome? It's been a long time, and I saw it on my bookshelf the other day. There's like one person's hand who remembers this, so it's time to come back out. So these are just things. They are not spiritual, and that's okay. These are just things that are awesome. Okay, like this. The final seconds of untangling a really big knot. Isn't it awesome? Especially if it's like a chain necklace. I cannot tell you, like you sit there and you sit there and you sit there and you sit there and finally you like see it, it's coming, it's coming. And you're like, yes. Oh, that's so good. Um, okay, here's the next one. Had to mark it. Oh, well this is for people who've crossed the border. <laughs> when the guy at the border doesn't ask you any questions. I mean, you know that you're innocent. You 100% know that you're innocent. However, for some reason, is anybody else who ever's like gone across the border into Mexico or anything that you're like, you start to get anxious because you start to question, do I have something illegal? <laughs> and I don't think we would, but it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be yeah. And so anyways, it's just awesome when you go through and they don't ask you any questions. Um, okay, next one. Okay, this one's good, but not as good as the last one. I should have said the last one. The first shower you take after not showering for a really long time. Isn't that so good? And, it, and sadly, in my house, if like that, if I don't make it to the shower first, there have been times when I am, I am, I need to repent. Because I get in the shower and I've waited, and I've waited, and I've waited, and I've waited, and I need to wash my hair, and I just want a hot shower, and it is cold water, and I lose it. And so that has happened a couple times. Um, and then the last one I put on here, and that is to represent my, my CrossFit gym family. And those of you who work out, the, the thing that's so awesome is gym pain. Isn't that awesome? The pain you get from working out and feeling good and exercising and running. It's just so awesome. Anyways, this is a great book. I love it. You go through there and you're like, yes, that's so awesome. Okay. We've had our funny. Now let's get spiritual. Just kidding. Um, okay, so so I was asking the Lord this week, like, Lord, and so whenever you, I don't know, whenever I get up here, I start to like get really hard on myself and I start to think, well, you should have been having messages in the making. What has the Lord been dealing with you with? You should have had verses on your heart. And, and I, I just like start to like kind of go negative with myself. And then I just have to like be like, okay, I'm going to remove the pressure. And then I'm just going to ask the Lord, what is the verse he has for today for the people in this room? And so if you're here, it's because the Lord wanted you here for a purpose. And also he had me speak for a reason, even though I had a little fit this morning. And I was like, I hate speaking. And Aaron was like, good morning. Well, good morning to you. You know, I was like, ah. So anyways, I just know the Lord has a purpose here. And I'm just going to give you what's in my heart. All that to say, on Monday, the Lord, I was asking the Lord, what's the verse? Like, I want a verse to, to, to springboard from. I want, what, what do you have? And the verse that the Lord gave me was, is in 1 Corinthians, the one I'll read first is in 1 Corinthians 6.12. And it's this verse right here. And I've, I've had this verse in my heart for a lot of years, and I just love this verse. It says, everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. 
everything is permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. And then in the Amplified Version, it says, and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. And so this is the verse um, that we're kind of going to go from. And I, I love this verse because so many of us, so many of us have a hard time determining what is permissible, but yet what is not beneficial. And so just listen to that again. Everything is permissible. You know what? Do what you want. You can do what you want. Okay, you've got freedom. But not everything is beneficial for you. And, and a, a lot of the context where this was taken from was really talking about sexual sin and saying, hey, your body, everything's permissible, but not everything is, is beneficial. And in the realm of sexual sin, when we dive into that deeper, really what that's talking ab about is how that separates you so much from the, the, the purity that the Lord has for you. And as we talk about coming together as one and in union and unity, as we're into some sexual sin, that really hinders the unity that we're supposed to have with the Lord. And so that's really the context of that. But when I dug deeper, I found it again. And let's get forward to 1 Corinthians 10, 23. It's in there again, and it's the same, it's the same idea. Sorry, guys, I had this one at the end, but I'm going to do it now. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And some of this stuff, he's ta they're even talking about food. You can eat what you want. You can go through the drive-thru and have french fries today. You can. But is it beneficial for you? And so that's just like a really practical question. When we really feel like the Lord, even what Corey was talking about today, your heart, like I have that, that's in here. Your heart, all of those things, there's this freedom where the Lord says, things are permissible for you. But are they beneficial? And the thing that might be beneficial for you may not be beneficial for me. And that is the, that is the beauty and the goodness of the Lord. Because he comes in and addresses us as individuals. How many of you in the room are like, I need black and white. Tell me what I can do. Tell me what I can't do. And I will follow it to a T. Who's like that? Come on. How many of you are just like, tell me yes, tell me no, tell me what to do, tell me what not to do. I am like that. So in some of these scenarios, when the Lord's like, some things are all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. I just want to be like, tell me what's not beneficial and I won't do it. But that's not the Lord. Because of his goodness and his kindness and his desire for us and the freedom that he wants for us, he's like, hey, you get to align with the Holy Spirit and we're going to figure out together what's beneficial for you. And oh, I just love that. Okay, so there's our first, so there's where we're kind of kicking off from. I've had so much today, but we'll see what comes out and what doesn't because I wasn't sure. I'm like, Lord, how? I know this all connects, but I couldn't figure out. It was like, I don't know. All right. So in that whole idea of how do I figure this out? How do I know it's beneficial? How do I know if my job even, 
you know, I've talked to people before and it's like, I don't know what to do. What's it, what do, which one do I choose? Do I choose this job or this job? And it's like, sometimes the Lord's just like, you get to pick and they're both going to be amazing. And it's totally up to you what you want. And then there's other times where it's like, you can pick which one you want. One is going to be more beneficial. And so then, like I said, where I come along and I'm like so confused, I'm like, okay, how do I know? How do I figure this out? How do I know the choices I make? And, and how do I know what, what's going to ben be beneficial? And I don't mean beneficial in the way of it's going to make things better for me. What I mean is I want to be the best me. I want to walk in the desire that he has for me. I want to walk according to his purpose and plan of my life. In order to do that, I need to know what he says is going to be good for me and beneficial. And so that's where we're coming from. It's not, it's not like the selfish, like, oh, I want all the best. I want, you know, how can I get on top? How can I be the leader of the company? All these different things. No, it's what benefits me to be the human that he desires for me to be for his kingdom. Okay, so that, so that I feel the answer to the question is basically what Corey already taught. <laughs> um, communion, abiding, and aligning with the Lord. And it was just so interesting that we've just been heavily on this topic of communion, which being way more than just reminding ourselves take the bread, drink the wine, let's do it as a ritual. No, there's so much more to it. And so that, in communion with the Lord, the actual act of taking communion and being in communion with him, aligning with him, abiding with him. I'm trying not, I don't like to always talk churchy words because that can kind of go like this. We hear it, we're like, oh, okay. No, what that means is, if I want to understand what's beneficial for my husband and our marriage relationship, I've got to be in communion with him. I've got to align with him. I need to abide with him. I need to ask him what's on his heart. I need to see what he's got going on. What's he thinking? That parallels this whole idea with the Lord. We'll never know and we'll never be able to discern what the Holy Spirit's telling us if we're not continually aligning ourselves and asking him what is he saying? Sometimes we want to answer the question with the thing that we learned when we were five in the Bible. And that's okay because it's in the Bible. But what is he saying in this moment that also might be in the Bible, but regarding it in a different way, if that makes sense? We, his, his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The thing of it is, is like, Right now, if I ask him, like Steve, we were talking, he's thinking about going to Florida for help to help. Well, yesterday, that might have been a good idea for him. Today, what's the Holy Spirit saying? Is it a good idea still? Like, you know what I'm saying? We can't just rely on something that happened five years ago and say, yes, it's still the answer for me today. We've got to really align with what the Lord is saying. Okay, I'm getting distracted. Six, uh, John 6, 35. I want to read this in the Passion Translation, and it says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Then I love this next phrase. Come every day to me, and you will never be hungry. Believe in me, and you will never be thirsty. Now, that's the Passion Translation, because I love where it says, come every day. I'm not going to just come on Sunday and then think that all the decisions I make the rest of the week are good, 
I'm golden because I came on Sunday and I had some time with the Lord. No, it's come every day. Every day we're coming before the Lord. Does that mean that we may have this 30-minute encounter session that we just had this morning? No, maybe, maybe not. But coming every day and saying, what are you saying? Good morning. Ever heard that book called Good Morning, Holy Spirit? Just say, good morning, Holy Spirit. What are you saying? What are you doing this morning? Um, And so we're coming to him every single day to connect with Jesus, to get aligned with his reality. I felt conviction because I feel like sometimes I just kind of ride on my knowledge and my, like, experience. Does that make sense? Sometimes we just kind of like ride on the wave of our knowledge and our experience instead of every single day realigning with the reality of what he's saying for me in that moment. It doesn't mean that that's like our knowledge and our experience is bad. We absolutely can apply it, but we can't rely on just that. It's coming into alignment with him every single day. And the reality that happens as we do communion is the reality of his death and his resurrection. There is something that changes everything when I suddenly get instantly taken back to the understanding that he died on a cross for me. He took on my sin when he was perfect. In a moment, I am immediately aligned back to the truth of who he is and what he did and what he can do and who he is in me and how he aligns or I align in him. Does it make sense? And so that's how this whole thing is kind of flowing together. How do I know what's beneficial for me? Well, if I'm aligned with him because I'm suddenly taken back to the reality of his death and his resurrection, then now I start to know, wait a second, me going to that place, is that aligning with like what he did for me and what he's freed me from and what he's, and what he's telling me to stay free of? You know, and so it kind of helps us come back into alignment with that and causes me to examine my heart. And that's where this whole thing comes back into play. It is a continual examination of our heart. You've not arrived. We've not arrived. We're not all to the place of where we're going to end. I know Aaron says that all the time. I'm not, what does he say? Well, great. I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I'm meant to be or whatever, you know? It's true. And if you get to a point where you're like, I'm good, I'm happy, this is great, I'm happy with what I know about Jesus. I had a great encounter with the Lord 10 years ago, and that was awesome. <sighs> Come on, we've got to continually examine our heart. And there, that again, that's like a whole nother, like, almost like church phrase. Because I bet there's people sitting in here that are like, I don't, what does that mean? Well, I don't, I, I, here, here's how I would, I would kind of start to describe that. Thinking about what is your treasure. Matthew 6, 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Okay? How do I examine my heart? Well, look at where you put your money. Where do you put your money? That's your treasure. Another part of that is where do you put your time? treasure, time. And then the third one that came to me this morning was your talent, your giftings. 
what you're good at, what you love to do. What, come on, ask yourself that question. And that is how you examine your heart. Are you spending hundreds of dollars on alcohol all the time? Are you, what are you doing with your time? Are you hanging out at parties all the time? Are you uh, giving your life away to the gym? I'm just using like examples. Uh, Where's your time going? Are you on video games all the time? Are you on Facebook all the time? This This is how you examine your heart. Your time, your treasure, and then your talent. What are you doing with the gifts God has given you? If you're not doing anything with that, then you need to then you know, work on something in your heart. Because you're either selfish or you're confused or you don't care. Sorry, I don't hurt anybody's feelings. But this is the heart. This is how we examine our heart. Okay? It's Matthew 621. I'll read it one more time. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Okay. Um You've heard us refer to it before, but like your heart is kind of like a garden. I think that's such a great picture. And just like in any garden, and this is a weird time of the year to talk about a garden, but I am sure Destiny is still growing things in a garden, right? Or in a greenhouse of some sort. I tried to do late planting of cucumbers. They never grew. (laughs) I don't know what happened. Anyway. We can all understand what a garden is, right? You have to pick the weeds from the garden. This is a very basic, like, they could talk about this in the first graders class right now, and it makes sense. You've got to be aware of what's going on in your garden of your heart, and you need to dig it out. Come on. And you're having the time with the Lord, and you're reminded of his death and his resurrection, you immediately start to notice and feel like, ooh, there's something here and it needs to go cut it out cut it out dig it up deal with it deal with it face it address it get it out pain disappointment abuse abandonment hurt all that kind of stuff that is those are weeds so when I say weeds, that's what I mean. Those are the weeds in your heart. And what do weeds grow, do? They grow faster than the stuff you really want to grow in there. Am I right? And so if you don't dig them out, they're coming and they're going and they're, they're taking over all of the good stuff in there. You have to take care of the weeds. And the problem is with Christians, I'm not, maybe not you in here, but in general, they don't want to deal with the hard stuff. They don't want to admit, oh, I'm struggling with this. They don't want to pull it out and deal with the pain, and they don't want to get open and honest to other people. That makes me so upset because that's not the Lord. Jesus wants us to deal with our stuff. Why? Because he knows that that's when true freedom comes. He knows that's when our heart flourishes flourishes and then he knows that that's when others are drawn to you because of Christ in you see see how this all works Uh, it's not about it's not just about you this whole message this whole thing it's not just about you it's about his love for you and for the world he loves us so much 
And when we come into communion with him, we're taken right back to that reality that he loved me so much that he died for me and he rose again for me so that I could be in eternity with him, so that I can live here and now in joy and freedom and peace and that others would feel that and sense that off of me and be drawn back to him. See this whole, it's like a whole thing. Okay, um, John six fifty three through 56. I'm gonna read that in the Passion. It says, Jesus replied to them, listen to this eternal truth. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have eternal life. Eternal life comes to the one who eats my body and drinks my blood, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my body is real food for your spirit, and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my body and drinks my blood lives in me, and I live in them. This is a weird one, right? First time, at, let's say it's your first time in church and you're here and this, you're like, goodbye. Uh, but, and so I was like, even as I was reading, I was like, huh. Okay, so I wrote some little things, definitions for it. To eat the flesh, that means literally take into our life what his body did for us. Think of that. When you eat something, it literally goes in and it digests through. It provides us for the nourishment and all the things that our bodies need. That's what it means when we take his flesh, eat his flesh. We're taking into our life what his body did for us. Come on. The Lord is pressing us in this season for this communion idea and the heart. He really is an understanding next level of what it can do in our lives as we come into communion with him. Now, to drink his blood, take into life what he purchased for us. So as we drink that, again, it's going in, we're realizing, we're recognizing, we're coming into a revelation of what he purchased for us when he shed his blood. Now, as we do that, it's the nourishment, it's the life, the power, and the virtue. So, if you think about it, in relationship to our heart being a garden, those are the very things that give the garden of our heart the life and the nourishment and the virtue that is necessary to come alive in him and to walk in freedom. Okay, helps tend our garden. Um, now, here's the issue, and Corey's right. I don't know why, but I like to come up here and I like to call out what, what's going on and we need to do it. And I found myself coming back to 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Sorry, I think I'm doing, I don't know if this is 14 or 15. I wrote 14, but on my notes I have 15, so I'm just going to start here. I know I am writing to thoughtful people. This is in the Passion. 1 Corinthians 10, it's either 14 or 15. Okay, I know I'm writing to thoughtful people, so carefully consider what I say. Now, by the way, this is Paul preaching to the church of Corinth. And that church represents, like, the symbol of what it represents for us now is the church of today, right? So these are all things that he was telling the church to be mindful of, aware of, and to, to obey to. So it says, I know I'm writing to thoughtful people, so carefully consider what I say. For when we pray for the blessing of the communion cup, isn't this our co-participation with the blood of Jesus? And the bread that we distribute, isn't this the bread of our co-participation with the body of Christ? For although we are many, we become one loaf of bread and one body as we feast together on one loaf. Consider the people of Israel when they fell into idolatry. When they ate the sacrifices offered to the gods, 
Weren't they becoming communal participants in what was sacrificed? What was sacrificed? I'm going to stop there. So he's basically saying, whatever you take communion into, you become a participant with. So when we take communion unto the Lord, we're becoming co-participants with who? Jesus. Now, when we start to feed our flesh and drink things that are not of the Lord, what are we becoming co-participants with? Or who? Yeah, the enemy, the devil himself. Okay, I'll keep going. Now, am I saying that idols and the sacrifices offered to them have any value? Absolutely not. However, I am implying that when an unbeliever offers a sacrifice to an idol, it is not offered to the true God, but to a demon. I don't want you to participate with demons. You can't drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You can't feast at the table of the Lord and feast at the table of demons. Who would ever want to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Is that something you think you're strong enough to endure? I like that. I'm like, whew. Okay, but the reality is, I love using that word. I love the word demon. Honestly, I like using the word demon rather than sin. Because I think sometimes when we say sin, we've gotten so used to hearing it that we're just like, hmm. But when I say demon, I think it cuts a little bit deeper, at least for me. When I read it, it did. I don't want to be in a participation with a demon. And so anything, again, I'm going to say anything that you feed your flesh or drink of the cup that is not of the Lord is you participating with demons. And I love the end. So is that something you think you're strong enough to endure? Why do we have suicide? Why do we have depression? Why do we have abuse? Why do we have addiction? It's because people think that they're strong enough to endure life with demons. And that's how it comes out because they've not, we, we are not strong enough to endure any of this stuff, right? And so it comes out in all of those forms. So that's the issue. We choose to commune with demons. But in Romans 1, 18 through 19, I love this verse. It says, For God in heaven unveils his holy anger, breaking forth against every form of sin, both toward ungodliness that lives in hearts and evil actions, for the wickedness of humanity deliberately smothers the truth and keeps people from acknowledging the truth about God. And then this is the verse, this is the part that like I was like, oh my gosh. It says, In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively. For God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Oh my gosh. Every single one of us have no excuse. It is embedded deep into our DNA to know the truth of the Lord to know him, to know his heart, to know his desire. Now, here's the thing. When we continually commune with the demons, what happens? It's down there, but it is like stacked upon, stacked upon, stacked upon with other things. But the hope is that it is instinctively in you to know the truth of the Lord. Man, I'm breaking that off. When I say that, I feel like I'm breaking off lies that you believe that you don't know what the truth is about the Lord, that you don't understand what his desires are for you. 
It's instinctively in you. And you have the Holy Spirit in you to help you make the choices that are good and the ones that the Lord has for you. We instinctively know the truth. Okay. It's stuck. Is it stuck? Maybe not. Okay. All right. 2 Timothy 2, 22. And I'm going to kind of end it up here on this verse. It says, um, I'm, gonna, I'm reading out of the NLT on this one. Run. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship. Oh, I love this part of it. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Okay, let's back it up, dissect it. Run. I'll come back to that in a second. From anything that stimulates youthful lusts. That's what I want to talk about. Lust equals a strong desire, an intense craving for something. Okay? I'm sorry that I do this a lot. <laughs> and, and like the pictures that these people take of me, I'm always like, and Aaron said, you need to smile more. And I was like, oh. But I'm sorry. It's just a serious topic. Right? Listen, lust, a strong desire, an intense craving for something. Okay. So in our family, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out the idea of rest, resting and stopping and slowing down and shutting off things just to really like have delight in Jesus and so we've been doing this for a little while and yesterday I, I found myself I'm not kidding you I was pacing I was like I didn't know what to do with myself I felt like inside of me this uneasiness and just as I was I'm thinking about this this definition of lust it was this like strong desire and intense craving that was in me for something. I can't t put my finger on what it was. I th I'm, as I'm talking, I'm thinking it's like I'm constantly doing something and I'm constantly thinking, what do I need to get done? Oh, there's this and this. And so in this time of our lives where we have this set aside time of, of just resting, I really want to fold laundry. Like looking at dishes in the sink makes me be like pacing in the kitchen. I'm like... I think it would just bring me delight if I just did those dishes, you know? And so I'm really, I'm like recognizing that lust, when we think about it, doesn't necessarily mean something sexual. Although that's how we've, we've a lot of us probably take it. No, it's a strong desire for something, an intense craving for something. And the problem is, and that's why he's saying this, and Timothy's saying, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. He's talking about all the sin, all the junk, all the things that we just crave and desire that are not of him. And so I'm recognizing that I have this like strong craving for like getting things done and, and taking care of stuff and being ahead of the schedule and like, okay, everything's clean. And I don't, I don't know what that word is. Maybe it's productivity. Maybe it's hurry. I don't know. But I felt that in me yesterday as I'm just walking in circles and like grumpy almost. And so 
I feel that that is the understanding of what we do when we have those desires, the strong craving. We just have to, we have to just like fix it, fix the craving, meet the need, do something. And, and, and the Lord is saying, run as fast as you can from those desires. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Well, you might say, well, what's wrong with like wanting to have your laundry done and your, and your dishes clean and your sink clean and like no crap everywhere? Well, the problem is that I am actually pursuing getting things accomplished rather than being able to pursue peace. I couldn't stay, I couldn't, I could not tap into peace yesterday. <sighs> and then I was just mad. Because I knew that that was my portion. My portion yesterday was just to have peace and rest, enjoy my family, and just, I don't know what else, but. <sighs> and so, a lot of times when we think we're pursuing, or, uh, and then you might say, well, if you did all those things, then you'd have peace. Well, maybe for a second, but the reality is then I would find the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, and then, oh, well, I can do this real quick, and oh, look, and there would never be peace that would come with that. It would just be constant, just <sighs> chaos. <sighs> so, as I was reading this verse um, in Aaron's study Bible, at the bottom it gave this little thing and it said, run equals flee. And when I think of flee, I don't know about you, but I think of um, criminals. And they're running, they're fleeing the cops, right? They're running as fast as they can, as quick as they can, like to get as far away as they can. And so that is what he's telling us is to flee this and pursue the righteousness, the peace, the love. Those are the things to pursue. Now, we're either chasing something. I, re I read this. It sounds so good. Either chasing something or we're being chased. Right? So in our lives, every single day, we're either chasing something, someone, or we're being chased. And so the, the, whole, the whole point of that is, like, wh who gets the authority in that? You get to determine. Are you just chasing and pursuing and addressing your heart and being in communion with the Lord and understanding what his desire is for you? Or do you feel like you're being chased and you're trying to get over here and you're trying to get over there or you're pursuing these things and you're like, dang it, it got me. And so that's just the invitation, I think, this morning is this opportunity. I, wanna do, I do want to do communion. I feel like, can we get communion baskets? I'm sorry, I meant to text you and ask. Can we have communion baskets? I'm just do communion. This is just going to be like a personal time. Like Corey was saying about our heart, but understanding that as you do communion, you're going to just do this on your own. What does that look like for you as you eat the flesh? It goes in. It becomes a part of your daily life, and you drink the blood. It nourishes your heart. And man, I just do think that the Lord is calling us to look at our heart. You can't live with your sinful lust desires. You can't answer that, and you can't chase the Lord. You're either chasing one or you're chasing the other. You cannot do both. And so the Lord is just calling us in to just righteous living because he loves us. I don't ever want it to come across like, you must do this, and here's how you have to do it, and if you don't, then this will happen. Well, there's a reality. There are consequences for your choices. 
But what if something inside of you pivoted in your heart so much that you changed the way you were doing things because you love him? Not because you don't want to break a rule. Okay? So, can we sing... um, You are my one thing. Can we sing that? I don't know if you need other people beside you, but the invitation is just for you. What are you gonna do? Are you are you gonna deal with your heart or not? Um I'll tell you this, that this house, Corey had already kind of said it. He just kind of laid the foundation. Thank you so much. But this house will be a house of people who walk in purity and righteousness. And the priority is to chase the Lord, to know him, to understand him, to honor his presence. That's all the, that is the priority of this house. In the expectation, I'll just say this, and the expectation of those who lead or serve here. This isn't just a a message for people standing up here. If you lead here in any capacity, if you serve in any way, our expectation is that you are chasing the Lord with everything that's in you that you are continually examining your heart. And when you are faced with a choice to sin or not, our hope, his hope, is that you would choose him. It's not worth it. It's not worth it that one time to answer that youthful lust. Just because you're just frantic and I don't, I, just, oh, just gonna give in. It's hard work at times. What I mean by that is you gotta be intentional. You gotta be intentional. Come on, it requires something on your end. It is not always sunshine and rainbows. He's good. God is good. But there is an enemy there is someone who's coming around to steal, kill, and destroy you. Do you know that? Do you know that the enemy comes to steal from you in your family? He comes to kill you. He wants you dead because he knows what a powerhouse you are for the kingdom. And he wants to destroy you. He hates you. And so, when you commune with demons, you're just fluffing up the enemy's, what is that called? Whatever. Now, this is all said in Christian love. (laughs) I really mean that. I do. I do. I really, really mean that. It's just like I just have this burning inside of me that's like, um, if you could understand 
that this one little thing in your life has you so bound, if you could understand what it looks like to just remove that from your life and the freedom and the potential he, he has for you. Now there's grace, I'm not saying that. No, we're not working for this stuff. But it, it, it is, he's not gonna force it on us. And we do get to choose him. And so, I'm just so excited for what's coming as we pursue righteousness and holiness and just love and peace. You know what, if it bothers you when I say pursuing righteousness and holiness, because maybe that messes with you and you're like, you start to think about rules, okay, ignore those two for the moment and think about pursuing love and peace because you will not have those two without the righteousness and the holiness. It will automatically take you right back into that and then your desire will grow. So, okay, so we're just gonna play and I'm gonna pray and then I'm just, we're gonna play the music and I'm, I'm just an invitation. I love this word. The invitation is there for you to come into communion with the Lord, to receive his body and his blood and to understand what that means for the garden in your heart, the nourishment that is provided for your heart. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and the invite. Lord, we have let you down time and time and time and time again. We have chosen other things over you and we are, we are sorry. We repent this morning. We're just so thankful, God, that you would give us this chance again today and every single day to chase you, to pursue you, and to receive the nourishment for our heart that nothing else can give. Nothing else is going to nourish our heart in such a way other than your body and your blood. Oh, I just thank you. You are so good. We just receive this this morning. We honor you.